All right, welcome to another episode of the 49th Meal. Today we are talking with Brian from Alaska Berries. I'll let him introduce himself and his wonderful company. Well, thank you, Mitchell. Uh, I, yes, my name is Brian Olson and my wife's name is Lori and uh, we're co-owners of Alaska Berries, uh, which is a small uh, fruit and berry farm that uh, we also have the winery and uh, located uh, outside of Soldan, Alaska. And how long have you guys been up here? Uh, we've been up here for a little over 30 years. Uh, the farming business didn't get started back then. It's been uh, about 20 years since we started. Uh, uh, we started with vegetables and different things about 20 years ago and then uh, shifted to completely to fruit about 15 years ago and got licensed for the winery uh, eight years ago. And drove you to start a farm up here because I know Alaska is not the first place most people think of when they think of farming. Yeah, it's uh, well, we, my wife and I both had agricultural backgrounds the way we were brought up and raised. And so we always had gardening and, and growing our own, you know, uh, vegetables and things up here. And it just kind of evolved. It wasn't like uh, we sat down 30 years ago. It was kind of out of a, uh, a couple different things. Uh, we both had full time jobs uh, back then. Uh, we have since retired from our full time jobs. Now we're working this as our full time job. Um, <laughs> But it was, uh, we were selling at the farmer's market vegetables for quite a few years, uh, 20 years ago. And, and there wasn't a whole lot of uh, fruit at the farmer's market up here at that time. And so we figured that we would, you know, migrate that direction and learn about what type of, you know, different types of fruits, uh, domestic type cultivars would work here. And just started working it and researching it. And uh, it was just a slow process where we just started clearing land. And as we expanded, uh, you know, trying to, trying to expand so that we could sustain the farm and that's kind of what our goals always been and uh, so far it's been working and what challenges do you have uh being a farmer growing fruits and vegetables up here compared to people down in the lower 48 because i know uh, i come from texas and they you could pretty much grow as long as you got some fertilizer you can grow anything pretty much anywhere down there yeah, you know, and Alaska is such a huge state, and there's so many different micro zones and microclimates uh, that I can only speak for my tiny little micro zone right here. Um, so, folks in in the southeast or in the northern part of the state, they have obviously different challenges. But for us right here, uh, the Kenai Peninsula, the soils that we have here are, are really young uh, geologically. So there was, uh, after land clearing, there was uh, three years of planting cover crops to build the soils up. So that was a big challenge. Uh, delayed gratification, uh, to build soils up to be the point where you could actually start growing things successfully outdoors. And uh, so that's what we did. And it was just uh, uh, going organic. Uh, we're, not, uh, we're not state certified or federally recognized as organic but we grow everything as naturally as possible. We don't use anything on our farm that is an armory approved because we do have free range ducks and chickens that are integral part of our farm. They provide all the uh, um, weeding, uh, fertilizing, eating bugs. Uh, there's of uh, course the eggs, uh, meat. And, um, but the challenges, you know, it's, uh, it's like everything. It's every year, it's a little bit different, different challenges. This year we had, uh, the most extreme drought that they'd ever since they've been recording temperatures here and so that was a challenge this year um, just dealing with the drought and the heat uh, we had two wells on the farm running 24 hours a day for three months solid so that was a big 
big shift there. You have everything from the uh, microscopic fungi and bacteria all the way up to you know the 1800 pound moose so and everything <laughs> in between it wants to eat everything you make so there's a lot of challenges and then a lot of expense to do it the way we're doing it uh, bird netting you know four acres of bird netting top sides and everything and so there's a there's a lot of challenges but there's a lot of rewards too there's uh, we have enough diverse crops that we always get a crop of something every year and uh, and most years we get a crop off of everything, but it's enough diversity here to, that allows us to, to ebb and flow with, with all the challenges that do arise. And how many, how many different crops do you normally grow in a year? Well, the uh, one, uh, you know, we're seasonal in what they're, what they're growing. We don't grow year round. Uh, the majority of our crops are outdoor crops, uh, fruit crops. Our largest plant that we have on the farm is the Haskap, which a lot of folks haven't heard of it yet. We've been We've been with this plant about 12 or 13 years now. It's a phenomenal plant. It's the new superberry. And we have quite a bit of information on our website about it, but basically it's got many more times the antioxidants than a blueberry and more anthocyanins than a blueberry, 10 times the vitamin C of an orange. And they're, they're just a wonderful berry. Uh, so with the health benefits of it and all the products that we make out of it, that's our number one crop. And then we have, uh, of course, raspberries and strawberries, different types of gooseberries, black currants, uh, white currants, red currants, Saskatoons. Uh, we grow, we have a large field of rhubarb. We usually harvest uh, close to 2,000 pounds of rhubarb a year. And uh, blueberries, I think I've covered, I hope I've covered them all, but that's. <laughs> now, the chef yeah. side of me has to ask what is a Saskatoon? Well, that goes by uh, several different names. Some folks will recognize it as a service berry or a June berry. Okay. Uh, sad bush. It goes by all those names. Uh, the varieties that we do have actually did come from Saskatchewan, Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. Um, they're, can they're, they're a Canadian variety that we grow here that are, that are well suited for our area. They're, a, they're an interesting berry. They grow in a bush tree shrub. They can grow you know, 12 to 20 feet tall if you let it. We keep ours pruned back, just keep it underneath the bird netting. Birds do love them. <laughs> um, they kind of look like a blueberry, uh, but they're very mild flavor. The seeds, a lot of folks think that this, when you bite into them, the seeds are really small, but they emit kind of an almond flavor. So they make a real interesting wine. Um, we sell out of that every time we make it. It's uh, really interesting. Now, uh, speaking of the wine, uh, how'd you guys get started in starting to turn your fruits and vegetables into different wines? Again, it was an evolution. You know, when we first started out, uh, as we trialed different types of fruit plants, and we've, we, we'd try some different types and, uh, you know, based on recommendations, and, uh, and we'd try them. And if they didn't work for us, we'd rip them out of the field. We'd try different varieties until we've got the field pretty much uh, the farm set up uh, with the type of plants that work well in our area here but it was a it was a natural evolution of of as the plants matured their yields would get bigger and of course we could only sell so much fresh fruit uh, the window of time and with walk-in coolers and everything you know you have a uh, several days to a week to, to sell it fresh so our uh, we started a commercial jam and syrup making about 15 years ago built a dc kitchen got licensed and uh, so we were able to use our fruit for that but we also realized that 
as our plants matured even further down the road, our yields would expand to the point where uh, we would have to do something else. And we, we looked into winery. Uh, I had a little background in, in winemaking, um, plus a degree in science. So with the two of those and my wife, she had a great degree in uh, administration and finance. So we decided to take a look and going into a winery just because there was nobody at the time in the state that had a certified Alaska grown winery. Um, there were several wineries in the state, Bear Creek being the largest, of course, but uh, they, they weren't farming first. They, they make their products out of, of uh, a lot of grape blends and different things. And of course, they can speak for themselves, but we saw a niche there to be uh, the first Alaska-grown winery in the state and grow everything we, uh, we make. And when we're out, we're out. And if we have a, a good crop, a good harvest, we have more to sell the next year and some years um, due to weather or, or, uh, or for whatever other reasons, we don't have a large crop, then we scale back. So that's now, kind of what uh, moved us into to making the wine. And now uh, people that are interested in the wine, do you sell, do you distribute throughout the state or are you only local there in the Kenai Peninsula area? Oh no, we, we do both. Uh, we, we, we sell here at the wine, we have a tasting room. Um, which is open Wednesday through Sunday, noon to six. And then we close up uh, December 31st, we shut the tasting room down and then, uh, and that stays closed until May 1st. And then we, we just run the tasting room from May 1st to December 31st here on the farm. But then we also self-distribute. So we have, we have our wines in uh, throughout the state, uh, Brown Jug carries our wines when, they're in when we have wines in stock. Three bears throughout the state, they have half dozen stores. And we have local liquor stores here that carry our, uh, on the peninsula from Homer to Nikiski and Soldat and Kenai. And restaurants um, carry some of our products too. Now you're talking about being the first one, uh, first winery here to get the Made in Alaska seal. What, what no, is- No, 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 Alaska grown, not- Alaska made. grown, sorry. Uh, the Alaska grown seal. Now, uh, what, what does that whole process take compared to just uh, being able to say, you know, spread word of mouth, oh, hey, we, we grow everything here. What, what's it take to get that seal? Well, we were vetted. We were vetted by the uh, Department of Agriculture. You know, they had come down years ago and you have to meet certain qualifications in order to be certified to use the Alaska Grown logo. And, um, and they came down, they, you know, checked us out and then vetted us and, and uh, you know, we got approved to be able to use that on our products. So that's you know, our niche, and uh, you know that's something that the work that goes into the farming aspect uh, is obviously the very first step. And for us, that uh, that we that we grow our own things here and uh, and utilize the fruit from the farm to make our products. You know, so that's that's the difference. So you can't you can't uh, have somebody deliver you fruit that picked it in the wild. That's it might have been grown in Alaska. But the Alaska Grown program is for cultivars that are, are grown here in the state by farmers. It's not wildly collected uh, fruit from the, from the forest or wherever. It's, it's, it's grown. In other words, to be Alaska Grown, that's what it means. It means that farmers or uh, folks are growing it on their land. And uh, there's some other qualifications there too. But uh, in a nutshell, that's what the program is. Okay. And now, um, I assume 
the if that covers more than just the wine that covers all the other products you have uh well not every single product it covers our jams our syrups um it covers everything we did start going into some ciders last year and the year before and uh, even though we obtained some local apples in order to to do the bulk we did purchase uh, cider which we have displayed we claim it on our website too that's the only product at this time that we we do make that's not an alaska grown product uh we're we're working with some alaska uh, apple farmers right now as a matter of fact for next year so that we can uh, wean ourselves off from apple uh, cider juice that comes from washington state right now we want to get uh, it's either that or uh, we'll have to buy more land and start growing our own apples i guess and now uh, what other products besides the wines you were mentioning uh, syrups and jams uh, what all other products do you guys make uh boy you know the wine is the number one that takes uh, in fact a lot of the fruit crops go specifically into wine we don't even make jam out of some of the products anymore um and the syrups uh it is all varies from year to year but all of the crops that we grow you know all the types of varieties i mentioned previously the uh we make a vinegar a wine vinegar that we have in a different building convert some of our wine into actual wine vinegar a lot of the chefs and uh, local folks uh, like that for their cooking and then we uh we'd also have like i said the ducks and the chickens are an integral part of this farm too and we sell uh you know baby chicks baby ducks in the spring and of course the eggs year round if you don't tell my wife then i might have to come down and get some of those baby ducks <laughs> oh yeah yeah we have a newsletter we always put that out in the spring when we start incubating out our birds and we do it all right here on the farm um we also have a, a U-Pick we've been doing for half dozen years, and it's been expanding each year. Uh, that's been a real big hit with the locals. They can come out and pick uh, what what crops if we have a, once we've hit our quota that we need for the winery and the and the jam and syrup making, then we advertise our U-Pick, and folks can come out to a safe place and and uh, depending on what crops are ripe at the time, and again um, how many we need versus. How many we can um, you pick out but we always have two upper fields up here that we get hundreds of you pickers every year come out and pick too so that's a win for both of us that sounds like quite quite an interesting program i have i mean i've seen uh obviously there's a lot of places that have uh where you can go pick wild wild stuff and bring it in but that would be a very interesting program to be able to come down and see see that action it's it's goes back to that sense of community in alaska it's great that you guys can help people out like that yeah it's a it's a it's a win-win for both of us you know uh, last year even though we had the extreme drought um, we do irrigate and uh, otherwise we'd have been in really big trouble here this year and the crop was really outstanding and we had a lot of you pickers and the berries were big they were juicy and the weather was beautiful and uh, we had already picked our quota I don't remember, we picked, I think, 4,000 pounds of just Hascaps for our own use for the year. Um, so there was a couple thousand more pounds for the folks to pick. And uh, yeah, it works out good. And, they, and, the, and so far, like I said, it's been about six, seven years with the Hascap you pick. The other crops, it just depends on our yields, whether we do a you pick them or not, um, just because of a supply and demand. We only have so many plants on the farm. Uh, for example, like our blueberries, we don't do a you pick on the blueberries. That all goes into wine. And what is your favorite wine that you guys make? You, the one that, at the end of the day, if you're going for a glass, what do you go for? 
Well, you know, I, and this may sound wishy-washy, but it's the truth, is that every single tank and every batch of wine is unique and it's different. Even if we follow the same protocol or same recipe every year, it's, it's driven by the weather and the climate and also the species and the cultivar of the type of plant. And then the human aspect of, of, of the additions at the timing and temperature. Uh, I don't want to get too far into the details of it, but in a, in a nutshell, it's every wine, every batch, every tank may be similar, but there's always going to be some differences. Some are more subtle than others. Uh, some years the wine is this year, well, not this year, the, the crop that we harvested from 2018 that we're just now bottling is going to be much drier than all the previous years. Uh, the wines are coming out beautifully uh, uh, dry. And so the, the customers that prefer the sweeter wines, we do have a couple of varieties that we do uh, um, back sweeten a little bit, not much. We don't have any dessert wines here. They're all either dry or, or off dry or uh, mid-sweet. Tasting room is open from uh, May to December. If uh, people are interested in coming down to learn more, do you offer full tours or is it just the tasting room? Yeah, and that is that is not a, uh, a structured thing. We do tours, but they're usually scheduled by a third party that coordinates with us that they'll have a busload of people that'll be coming in and want to do a tour. Um, if we have time available, we try to, to uh, you know, show or explain things as much as possible. But otherwise, we, uh, we, if we do a tour, it's usually through a, the Garden Club or the Soil Conservation District or some other, the University of Fairbanks, um, agriculture-related programs. As far as uh, just people coming into the winery, no, the tasting room is, has tasting room attendants there to answer questions and do those things. But we don't, we don't really do farm tours um, on a scheduled basis. Um, okay. just we just are not not available to do that as much as uh as uh, things are pretty hectic and busy around here in the summertime to be honest with you and if uh, if folks schedule a group tour it's usually like i said through one of those other divisions or departments that have contacted us that want to do that and we we definitely are we're pro ag pro alaska ag so anytime we get a request from those types of agencies that we we always do participate just because uh, it's very important for us to, to help our fellow Alaskans out and also learn from them too when they come down um, come down to visit our farm we learn a lot from from other farmers throughout the state and other people involved in agriculture and now the uh, you pick season when, when is the best time for that for people that are listening that would be interested in in uh, coming down and participating in that is there well kind of I used time to yeah, I used to be able to just throw a date right out there and be pretty close, but the weather, to predict uh, the summers anymore, I gave up. Uh, <laughs> I think we're, to, we're all at that point after this last summer. <laughs> yeah, these last few years, it's just, uh, it's so, the two questions people ask is, when can I start planting in the spring, and, and when can I come out and pick berries? And uh, like I said, we used to never plant anything till after uh, Memorial Day, and the last few years, uh, we're out there planting the 1st of May. Um, crops this year harvested uh, ripened sooner than previous years. They were two to three weeks earlier ripening than previous years. But uh, I would say sign up for our newsletter if you're interested in you picking. That's how we advertise 90% of our you pick is through our newsletter. 
and folks can sign up for that on our website or our Facebook page. They're both titled Alaska Berries. And uh, August is uh, August is in September are the harvest months for the bulk of our crops. And we'll make sure that we get uh, get those links put onto the show notes here too. Just that way, anybody listening, they'll be able to click right over and check out y'all's website. Yeah, alaskaberries.com, and it's all right on there, or Facebook, Alaska Berries. Now, one thing I, I love to ask people, especially that are in food and beverage making, is where do you see, for you you guys, it would be, where do you see the, the farming aspect of the business and the winemaking going in, say, even the next five years? As we all know, this last couple of years, everything's been changing so much. Where do you see the, your market going in the next five years? Well, I I have seen more and more folks coming out and buying. We also sell thousands of berry plants uh, from our farm. So one thing I've seen is a, a large number of folks interested in growing their own food, fruit and vegetables, both, and wanting to learn. So I've seen a huge increase in the number of people uh, from that aspect. From the commercial aspect, um, we're maxed out on the wine with our wholesale distributing that we do. We're not taking any more new wholesale customers just because we don't have an endless supply of our fruit. Um, we, when we're out, we're out. So we budget how much we wholesale and how much we hold back. One thing that's been a big increase is local restaurants um, that are interested in carrying local products has been a big increase both here on the peninsula and I also see in Anchorage too a lot of new startup companies that are in the food and beverage industry that are uh, they're working their tails off to obtain or uh, use locally grown products so we have our products now um, we started kagan wine so that's the uh, we never did like have to just take a case of wine into a restaurant because if somebody had never had gooseberry wine or black currant wine a lot of fruit wines and if they had they're never going to be identical like a coca-cola or a pepsi if you buy it in soldan or anchorage you know what you're getting um you buy a gooseberry bottle of wine from me and buy one from bear creek or from somebody else they're going to be different and that they should be um but when you're selling to a restaurant, uh, we found that these, the, the restaurants that got set up for, for keg wine, um, it, it's a win-win for both of us. We're into sustainability and recycling as much as possible and lowering our carbon footprint. And that keg uh, works a lot better, uh, even though we do have a 10 cent refund on all of our glassware for all of our products. Uh, we have a lot of folks that will come back and, and uh, they get you know so much for each bottle that they bring back. But, the, the Kagan is a sustainable way to go, and it, it allows us to get our product out there and folks to be able to try it. And the shelf life of a Kagan wine is a lot longer than if you open up a bottle of wine and, and uh, try to serve that over a week, week period of time. So I see an increase in that with uh, restaurants and different food uh, uh, pop-ups and startups that are, that are geared for using local products. Yeah, I know. Um, I just recently opened a... Uh took over as a sous chef at a local restaurant here in the valley and we're we try to get as much as we can locally just to one it's a better product and two just to uh help out the next person and that chain of food because everything's been so over processed these last 20 30 40 years that it's nice to get back to the basics 
of just having it, a raw it, ingredient and making something with it. Absolutely. And we we uh, strive to, uh, we just came out with a new juice drink last year, a non-alcoholic juice drink. We call it Denali juice. It's a blend of Hascap juice and apple juice, and that's it. And we wanted something that didn't have a bunch of different ingredients in there that people can't pronounce. And um, that that was a huge hit. It's uh, been a big seller. And we're going to be expanding that up for next year um, uh, to be able to provide a you know a natural type juice drink for folks uh, in glassware, not in plastic. And so far, that's been really good. Excellent. And is there anything else you want to share with with the, our listeners, the um, again, we'll make sure uh, we get all your social media, all your web pages on there. Get the uh, link so they can sign up for your newsletter. But is there anything else you just want to kind of share with them and let them know about you guys? Uh, you know, I we 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 are sustainable because of Alaskans. I guess it's the the locals and Alaskans throughout the state. We've had folks from every uh, village and town in the state visit us at some point, and when they do, they bring their friends and their relatives, and uh, you know, support us to keep us sustainable. And uh, they. We've had a lot of folks say, you know, we appreciate what you're doing, that, you know, you provide a place where people can come out and they can pick and they can get, you know, naturally grown foods, uh, fruits. So it's a win-win for both of us. Plus, we get to, uh, it's, it's enjoyable to meeting people from all over the place, too. And uh, so that's a big benefit. You know, and I guess the open-mindedness about Alaskans, too, and realizing that uh, when folks come out, a lot of folks, you know, this isn't Napa. This is not Santa Rosa, California. This is not a big wine country. So <laughs> we get a lot of customers that come out. So, you know, I'm not much of a wine drinker. I'm not a wine aficionado. I'm not a wine whatever. And, you know, we said, well, that's that's our customer base is these are fruit wines. Uh, and we work really hard to make the best possible fruit wine we can. But we also realize that everybody has their own taste buds. And that's okay. That's that's what it needs to be. And so we'll have uh, a different variety of different wines that hopefully somebody will find something they like. And same way with the jams and syrups and the different products. And they can see where it was made and uh, and uh, see how it was grown and and know what they're getting is is the best that we can put out there because that's we do take a lot of pride in trying to put out the best product that we can and keep the prices reasonable and fair. Yeah, and I, I kind of chuckled when you said this isn't Napa or Santa Rosa and because, I mean, I've been here in Alaska for going on almost three years now, and I've been up here a couple times in the summer. That's how I kind of started coming up here. And I could honestly, if anyone asked me if there was a winery in Alaska, I would have probably laughed at them until I really started digging in, starting this podcast, digging in, doing it, is to see, surprising to see how resourceful people are and how people like you can open up people's minds to new ideas of what they think about wine and where wine's growing. Yeah. And, and, and just recently too, there's a, uh, you know, the different cideries and meteries that are opening up. And, uh, you know, I think that's pretty awesome too. And, uh, uh, you know, they're expanding to the point of growing apple trees and obtaining local fruit. And I, I think the more and more we do that, that we can wean ourselves off as much as possible from the lower 48. Not saying that there's anything wrong with their things, but uh, uh, supporting local and the money stays here. Uh, when it's when it's when it is local, it stays local a lot more than uh, when it's not. And that's that's important for us, just because of food security in the state. I realize wine is not necessarily well. It might be for some folks a wine uh, a staple for security, but. Um, 
you know, I know we get a few 90, people who would agree with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's great. And 90, you know, 90% of the food stuffs have to be shipped up here. And so when we have a natural disaster or a man-made disaster or whatever, uh, that, that, the shelves get pretty slim pretty quick. And um, it's, it's, it's a serious thing about food security. So we strongly encourage and promote uh, if you have the opportunity to grow even a potted plant on your patio deck, you know, if you can do that and you have the time, and if you don't, hook up with a U-Pick or, a, or a, a garden club or something. And, and, and I think more and more folks that actually start growing their own food as much as possible or obtaining locally grown fruit and vegetables, that's, it's better off for everybody in the state. Yeah, I definitely agree. That is something, uh, one of the reasons I started this podcast was uh, when I first got into cooking, I was, you know, I was down in Texas, we order everything from Cisco, US Foods, whatever, it comes in a box and we, we just make it. And then as I started learning more, I realized how hard it is to actually get fresh local foods, not get everything out of a box on a commercial level. So then I started digging into it more and started learning about what it actually takes to make and grow the foods and how much healthier and how much better as a chef I felt using local stuff. And like you said, a big thing is being up here in Alaska, especially is we're not connected to everything. So one hiccup, I lived in Southeast Alaska and we didn't have milk or dairy for almost a month because the, the uh, barges got delayed. Yeah, right. So it was yeah. it was incredible to see how quick for granted we take everything compared to taking the time to grow it. Now, people that are interested in growing, you said you guys sell a lot of berry plants. Do you have all that on your website too? If people wanted to order berry plants or to learn more about growing their own foods? Yeah, we do. We have a website that describes the different types of plants and planting conditions and growing conditions. And then we do have an online store. Um it's seasonal. We put it up. In fact, we'll be putting up here next week just for our online orders for our jam and syrup gift boxes and things like that. Um, in the spring, when we get ready to do our plant inventory, uh, we go out and we survey and see what we have available. And then we put our plants and pricing and inventory out there. And so we have some items that you can actually pre-order to make sure that you actually can reserve yours uh, for some of the higher demand type uh, crops but the rest we just have out here so when uh, we put it on the newsletter and facebook and instagram and all the other social media is how we pretty much advertise we do have radio advertise on certain things and one of them is our plant sales in the spring we will run a radio ad we run newspaper or ads uh, our newsletter and uh, we usually sell out by june 15th we're usually out of plants okay we'll make sure that we're keeping an eye on that too and uh when we see that come up, we'll be sure to push that for you guys out there yeah. as much as we can, too. Yeah, and that's that's something else, too, is that we do also, uh, depending on the crops and the years and all that, we also try to participate in all three uh, uh, summer food market, uh, farmer's markets uh, locally here in Kenai and sold out in the two during the summertime. So we can get fresh fruit out there and popsicles and juice drinks and things like that out at the farmer's market. Awesome. That that's really great. I love hearing the all the different stuff. I'm kind of jealous. I want to come down there myself this summer now and try some of this stuff out. Oh yeah, absolutely. And it's uh 
I can't always say we have everything in stock because uh, we don't. And when we have in stock, we have in stock. And when uh, it runs out, it runs out. And it's uh, it's that's that's part of the uh, the fact that with just what we have here. So, but oh, yeah, right. it, uh, I'd love to have you come down anytime. Uh, you know, like I said, summertime is our is our biggest months, of course. And uh, the rest of the year, we don't go on vacation. We're still working seven days a week just because of the, you know, the, the critters, uh, they're, they need to be cared for, but we also are making product every day. Wine or jam or syrup, they all have to be tended to and cared for every day. So. And that concludes our interview with Brian from Alaska Berries. We hope that you all enjoyed listening to this episode. And then the next time you're at the store, you look for Alaska Berries, wines, jams, or syrups and give their products a try.